Welcome to Customers Also Watched. I'm Erica, and each week my guest and I discuss a movie from the Customers Also Watch list of the previous episode's film on Amazon Prime. Uh, today I am joined by Karina from the podcast Thanks Academy, where she is actually tackling every single Best Picture winner for the Oscars. Welcome, Karina. Hi, thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, so happy to have you. So, I haven't listened to your latest episode yet, Man for All Seasons, mm. but it's in my queue. But so far, I think my favorite episodes that you've done have been um, Gladiator, because I love that you hated it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Casablanca. Um, that was fun. All About Eve, because I thought it was cool yes. to bring Cassidy in for that. Yeah. And um, Spotlight. Yeah. So the love are, fests. I always, yeah. I always wonder if people like the love fests because they feel a little inert to me. But those are, you know, Casablanca and Spotlight yeah. and All About Eve. Those are like three of the my yeah. favorite ones that we've watched by yeah. far. Yeah. I mean, the good ones. I mean, the the bad ones. You yeah. know, so much. But like, I I did love how much you hated on Gladiator because. <sighs> I, when I saw that come up, I was like, Gladiator won Best Picture? <laughs> I had to think about that. Yeah. So that was actually really surprising for me. So do you have any any favorites besides the ones I talked about? Uh, I love The Sound of Music, which I did with my daughters. Aww. And that one's all, it's a, just a different kind of episode because they don't know they're on a podcast. Yeah. They're just showing me Sound of Music for the first time because yeah. somehow I'd never seen it. And they've seen it 50 times. So, like, they walked me through it, and then they go crazy because it's a three-hour movie. And it's, I, don't know, I yeah. think it's the funnest episode. Yeah. And then I really liked one of the earlier ones uh, called Zigfield Follies. <laughs> ah. Zigfield, the great, the amazing Zigfield. The amazing Zigfield. Or the great Zigfield okay. or something like that. Okay. Uh, because that movie, like most movies from the 30s, I thought was extremely charming and watchable. Yeah. Um, but it kept dropping our jaws with the costuming not because it was like oh my god how gorgeous but because of like what drugs were they on yeah the, it's just the weirdest movie and i think it's a hidden kind of um underappreciated b movie gem yeah just because the fantastic dance sequences of them reenacting the 1920s broadway stuff are yeah. just bonkers yeah. it's super bonkers and okay. you can hear rachel and i reacting in real time to like yeah what does she have on her head? It's so great. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Yeah. Well, I'm going to cue that one up for after the latest episode. So. <laughs> yeah. So the movies we watch here for customers also watch are on the very other end of the spectrum. My favorite end of the spectrum. <laughs> That's why I haven't seen any of the best pictures because this is where I live. This is, it, yeah, yeah. It's, it's where I live. I'm really bad about the best pictures myself yeah. as well. I'm going to be honest. I have not seen any of the best picture nominees for this year except yeah. Black Panther. Okay, well, yeah. So, <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, I'm really bad about the last few years, actually. I yeah. think I only saw two of them. Yeah. So, I, I yeah, it just more and more, I'm I'm going backwards mm -hmm. than, like, staying current. And yep. so, because there's so, to me, there's just so much gold out there from the past. There's so much garbage that got put out that I just need to have in my life. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I used to pride myself on seeing all the Razzie nominees mm. and not necessarily any of the Oscar nominees. Yeah. Like, that was just where I wanted to live, yeah. movie-wise, diet-wise. But um, I've kind of, like lost my uh in the, in the last few years i haven't gone on seeking out the new bad stuff as much yeah so i'm like kind of it's just like the way you do with music you know you listen to a certain type of music in like middle school high school college mm -hmm. 
And then you think, I'm going to stay relevant forever. I'll always keep up with the newest, coolest music. And I'm starting to be like, I, if it's out of the 80s, 90s wheelhouse, yeah. I don't really know the bad movies I used to know. Yeah. You know? I'm so out of it with music, too. I have a person at work that I rely on 100%. <laughs> yeah. For, Please tell me what I should be listening to or, right. you know, and that sort of thing. So, yeah, I've... I've become that person now, which is fine. You yeah. know, I'm 40. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, like I said, you know, we're watching movies on the other spe- other side of the spectrum. And um, last episode, I reviewed uh, the movie Madhouse about some killer twins. Cool. And uh, from the customer's also watch list for that film, I picked today's movie, which is 1980s, Scared to Death. <laughs> you think you're frightened by the unknown, wait until you face reality. Her left leg was ripped from her body, and her hair was pulled back so hard that it broke her neck. So that's the trailer for it. And if you caught it at the end, this was put out by Lone Star Pictures. Did you catch that in the credits? Yeah. Well, and himself, like in conjunction yeah. with the director, because this was he sold everything he owned to make this. Yeah, I think yeah. I think I read somewhere and I don't normally look at budget because I'm always like, oh, they didn't nothing. But yeah, it was like 70 something thousand dollars yeah. total that yeah, this cost. But yeah, he put everything. This is Bill Malone's first picture. Mm-hmm. One of the interesting things about this, what, to me, was that Bill Malone's sort of notoriety for his work in special effects prior to this. Right. I guess he used to work for Don Post Studios, DPS okay. Studios. So they made those Halloween rubber masks in like the 70s, 70s and 80s. And so in the um, 70s, his com- Don Post was actually commissioned to make a a couple of Star Trek masks. So the William Shatner and the Mr. Spock ones. And so... Well, the William Shatner one got famous. Yeah. (laughs) So Don... um, So Bill Malone actually made those two masks under when he was working for Don Post Studios. And according to him, John Carpenter actually came to the studios one day when he was working, (laughs) saw the Bill Shatner mask and said that would look way better if it were painted white. Yeah. And then it turns out like that's the mask for the shape. Holy cow. Yeah. That's, I had no idea he kind of designed that mask. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of the creature effects too in this movie and Mm -hmm. some of his other ones are like his work that, you know, and you can tell he, you know, he stole quite a bit from some other stuff or took some. Yeah influence if i want to be nice about it i guess (laughs) look everybody in the world was chasing hr geiger for 10 years there yeah i mean that's not totally (laughs) he's not the only one yeah yeah 
Um, but after this movie, there is a sequel called Cinegore, and you said you've seen it. That I've seen, and I did not know the existence of a, I guess, prequel. Because yeah. they're no, they're completely not related. I think other than the design and shape of okay. nature of the monster. Okay. There's no like carryover in plot or characters or anything. Okay. And it was made like in the 90s so like way later. Years later i think yeah. someone just wanted to use that monster again yeah yeah i can see that like yeah. you know going to malone and saying hey you had that monster back then let's do that again costume's so. great concept behind it stinks which oh. i can get into yeah <laughs> we'll get into when we get into the yeah, plot for but... sure um yeah. he made a couple other movies he made um the remake of the house on haunted hill which yep. i don't believe i ever saw because i saw it it's uh it, it's disappointing as a remake of the house on haunted hill or sure. or a adaptation of the book yeah uh, or any way you want to measure it in that context yeah but as a standalone it's kind of a fun big budget horror uh adventure if it wasn't house on haunted hill it'd probably sure. be better remembered as just sort of like a goofy um fun halloween time scare you know yeah uh, uh jumping cat scare okay. kind of movie yeah. jeffrey rush is in it right? jeffrey rush okay. is in it at the height of his powers which is very weird yeah yeah and the special so effects odd. work is great okay um it's just in the service of a story that's like not scary <laughs> which is mean to shirley jackson because she I was mean, scary yeah sure um what else he made fear.com i never yeah, saw that either. i did see that and oh karina <laughs> uh, look this is my place this is know, my wheelhouse <laughs> fear.com is uh, uh not as good as i was hoping it would be the concept at the time was like novel mm. like ooh, scary website and yeah at the time like ooh, website you know <laughs> uh, but it didn't follow through on that yeah. at all oh uh, well nothing would until wreck wreck was the first time i saw a movie where the concept intrigued me and it followed through nice yeah very cool in a long time so starring uh John Stinson and Diana Davidson, who yeah. I haven't seen in anything else. Did you read the, up on the I, casting? I read on Diana Davidson, and I saw this was her only acting credit, but yes. I did not read up on the casting. Here's uh, something interesting. Uh, John Stinson plays the lead, who, who's awful. Oh, I hate him. Uh, he was in an improv class with Bill. That's oh. how he knew him. And he was called in last minute to take the role because he originally had cast Rick Springfield. Oh, shit. Yes. Oh. And Rick Springfield backed out because the shooting schedule conflicted with his acting class schedule. <sighs> Which oh, is like the God. ultimate insult when you say, I'm sorry, I'm not going to take the paying gig you're offering me to be the lead actor in your film because right. I would rather pay to learn how to act. <sighs> so he had Rick Springfield and then that fell through. But I don't know if that changed his budget. I do know the movie made a profit right away. So, I mean, that might have been a blessing in disguise. It got picked up overseas, like, really quick. Like, they made an immediate profit, I think, yeah. on it. So And this kind of uh, kind of Halloween plus alien movie, mm -hmm. a ton of people were making those yeah. in the early 80s. And those did really well in Europe and Asia because they tie in with the natural Italian horror movie genre and also the Asia, like the Southeast Asian ghost horror genre. They, they have that same feel, stalking yeah. through hallways, uh, really pretty women looking around for long, unedited takes. <laughs> that that was like yeah. custom made for those markets. Yeah. America tired of it real quickly. Yeah, I tired of it a little bit during the beginning of this movie. <laughs> oh, yeah, this, this movie's uh, not well paced. That's, we can definitely say that. It's really not. Yeah. Um, 
So just as like a quick plot overview, um, <laughs> our main character, who I think we've already, you know, decided we don't like, is um, <laughs> he's an ex-cop slash aspiring or current novelist, I guess. I don't know if he's aspiring. It sounded he makes it sound like he makes a lot of money okay. with some schlocky bestsellers, but then that's yeah. quickly dropped and never mentioned again. Right. I mean, he lives like he doesn't make a lot of money, but yeah. then he'll also just like reach over and hand the woman two thousand dollars. So and he also said that he somehow funded his publishers like Rolls Royce and Mansion and Bel Air right. with his books. Yeah. And I'm like, well, then you should be doing better than this, like you know marlo pi yeah right <laughs> closet home that's like straight out of better call Saul. yeah that was weird totally um a lot of things don't add up in no this no i'm wondering so because he he got his improv buddy to play john stinson yeah once i found that out, i'm like i wonder how much that guy just off the cuffed some lines that introduced glaring plot holes because so many plot holes open up and then vanish yes and that makes a lot they more all sense center now. around him and there's so many scenes where other actors just freeze after he says something. And then he has to say something else to get the scene moving. Mm. And I'm like, I bet he was ad-libbing yeah. the hell out of this movie. I believe that. Yeah. I, that makes a lot more sense now. because Yeah. I'm with you completely on that. <laughs> so his name is Ted. And he gets called out of retirement to help investigate a long series of deaths that are going on. I think a dozen a dozen at some point they are not nearly concerned enough i they mean i know not. they talk about how concerned they are but i mean it gets up to 12 yeah it's huge and like yeah we start the movie when some have already occurred mm -hmm. so and he doesn't get involved until the 12th one yeah he he's very blasé about it he's reading about it in the paper kind of keeping an yeah. eye on and then all of a sudden they have this big confrontation where his detective friend is basically like look the city is in a panic which we have no evidence of right uh yeah, and everyone's just like, everybody's oh, breathing down my neck well they should be there's yeah. 12 <laughs> there's yeah. 12 murders yes um i need you and he makes some allusion to like i'm not ready yet and i'm like oh here comes the backstory with some trauma like ptsd sure. here's the reason he got out of force no mention made of that the very next shot he's just casually wandering around at the next murder scene yeah like he just changed his mind yes it's so weird it's he's so all over the place that's and another one where i'm wondering did he like ad-lib that ptsd backstory or something because it, it probably does not come up like so i thought when i so when i picked this movie so whenever i pick i yep. pick strictly from the list yep. like i just look at the picture the description the year like who's in it who directed it and yep. i just pick it straight from there so looking at the picture, it the person or the frame of the figure in it looked like a guy in like a hoodie. So I yeah. thought it was legitimately like a serial killer movie. And then I read it and I was like, oh, okay, well, it's, he's got a, you know, series of murders. Like yeah. I read the very short part of it, but then you find out, you know, it's not a serial killer. It's some bio, you know, bioengineered creature. <laughs> we get, we get the... You know, the exposition yep. at like an hour and 15 minutes from the brunette woman who comes to the office and says, I yes. used to work at a science lab. And I'm like, this would have been way helpful a lot earlier on. She's my favorite character. <laughs> She's hilarious. I love her because that is such an 80s thing. The ditzy nerd. Yes. That's not a character combo. That's not a like 
uh, you remember how nerds used to come in like two different flavors, like strawberry on one side and banana on the other? Yeah. That's what she was like. She was like, I'm like the science lab assistant, sniffly, wears glasses right. uh, uh, person, but I'm also a complete bimbo. Yes. Like, <laughs> yes. Nothing made sense with her. Yes. Um, yeah. There's a part at the end where like, I think that specifically is like so well played out you know yes that specific thing at the end when it's like it's on her to like save the day and i was just like screaming at her and i was just like woman get it together well she lost her glasses but the way she said it was just like oh i lost my glasses like out of porkies and i'm like i expected the next scene for her to be like oh i lost my blouse like she just went downhill so fast there's there's another part too, uh, you know, just sort of on that same note, at, at the very beginning of the movie, w- when we're focused on like the first woman, yeah, and she's in her house alone, and she, the lights go out, yeah, and she's, oh no, she's walking around because she hears a noise, and she's walking around, and so for me, if I'm home alone and the lights go out, here's what I say, fuck, yeah, but. Her thing that she says is, what did she write? And I'm going to try and do the impression of it too, okay. because it was very like, it made me laugh. Oh, wow. Oh, great. Now I can't paint my toenails. Yes, like, that's what she says. It was so stupid. The screenwriting for that particular opening scene yeah. was, I want to go, I want to do like a 90 minute YouTube breaking down second by second what's going on there, <laughs> because it opens with her naturally being naked because cheapest special effect sure. and so she's clearly just come out of the shower yes or doesn't believe in clothing most of the day but at night puts some on i don't know what her story is but she's uh putting on her pajamas while the monster looks through the window yeah it's from the point of view of the monster because we had to do a halloween thing of course and then she gets a phone call and she picks up the phone and it's her boyfriend or somebody and he's like what are you doing she said oh reading no, you aren't. No. You weren't reading. <laughs> and she sits down and he's like, do you want to go to the movie? She goes, oh, I'm about to watch TV. She says, as she starts painting her toenails. Yeah. I'm like, why are you lying? Yeah. <laughs> you're not reading. You're not watching TV. You're painting your toenails. And yeah. just sh- what? Why does the script say one thing and then the visuals say another? And it keeps doing that the whole scene. And that's why that dub in yes. is so funny because I think they forgot that that's what she wanted. They were trying to like. I, I love the part too where she says, now where did they hide the fuse box? And then she almost opens the refrigerator. And I was really rooting for her. Oh, to open the I know. I saw that and I was like, oh, you're so close. Look at the fridge. <laughs> so close. Look at the fridge. <laughs> this uh, is, um, so she's wandering around and instead of getting a flashlight, she holds a candle because ambiance, goth, I guess. Yeah, you yeah. know, Wuthering Heights. Um, and she's our first death within. I want to say the first couple minutes, but honestly, it's probably more it's like a long scene. It's it fine, is. It's but long. it is your traditional horror movie. Yeah. Uh, let's get things going with a meaningless murder. Sure. Uh, move, which right before that, they do give away everything in the movie about the monster by saying, even though this is a work of fiction, genetic modification is real yeah. and taking place. And who, and I was, when I saw that, I was like, Oh, they're going to get this wrong, but actually that is kind of chilling. Yeah. <laughs> That's still, like, they were way ahead on yeah. that part. The yeah. first thing you see when you hit play yeah. is um, this text, and it says, I think I wrote it, yeah, I wrote it down. It says, the events portrayed in this film, although fictional, are based on scientific fact. Ugh. 
if they have not already i know scientific <laughs> concepts concepts uh if they have not already happened they soon could genetic engineering is real and soon we may all have to deal with new values and definitions for life and death which is a fuck of that is that is real that yeah. is good that's a good movie yeah there's a good movie there and i was like and shit I, and to yeah me, i was like fuck is this movie gonna get heavy you know and then it, yeah it, it didn't <laughs> but i was impressed 1980 good job because that sentence like drop it into 2019 yeah 40 years later yeah wow good I, move absolutely yeah but so yeah we have our first death within like you know the first seven yeah. eight minutes or so and we don't see the killer in this one it's too dark a lot of um, heavy breathing a lot of you know looking in closets because you got to do that yep but she uh so she ends up being the first victim in the movie but not the first victim of this series like we said right yes and then the next yes, day the detective yeah. shows up and here's my favorite thing about the whole movie is uh so the premise is that the cops can't solve this crime because it's too random. They know it's the same killer because the people are dying the same way, but yeah. there's no clear motive. Like they're just at a loss. And he keeps saying over and over again, there's just no clues. We've got no clues. But the first thing you see after that murder scene is a lab tech swabbing a wall from like a heavy goop of unknown slime that he immediately says he's sending to a lab. And I just keep thinking, that seems like a clue. Very much so. We never (laughs) hear about it again. Yes. I know it's it's crazy. It's funny too, not to be too gross, but it follows immediately. You can end, get as gross as you want here. The <laughs> the end of the murder scene, uh, for some reason, it demurely cuts to a Raggedy Ann doll who gets a splash of blood all over her face that right. looks very bukkake like. Yes, and then cut to this guy wiping spooge off a wall. So I thought yes. that was funny. <laughs> was, like, was that intentional? <laughs> I hope so. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah. I forgot about the Raggedy Ann doll but yeah there's evidence and i think one of the the chief or the detective had said something like you know her her neck was broken because her hair was pulled back so yeah. hard or something and like the monster that. like had ripped the door off the hinges like yeah. super strength basically. yeah and, it's and like, i'm like that's a lot of clues a lot of clues <laughs> yeah. going on and you guys can't get this together and so the detective is like we gotta bring ted in and chief isn't having it and he's like yeah. no i don't need that because supposedly Ted's like super detective, although we see negative evidence of that in this movie. Very he's much. just as bad at detectiving as everybody else. He's just bad at being a human. Yeah. Because <laughs> honestly, like in the, in the next scene, the next scene is it? The next scene's when he's in his car crash. Yeah, he's talking to his publisher, which we referenced. And then, yeah, he crashes into his lady protagonist friend. Yeah, he crashes his car into her. And the first thing. Her Jag. Her Jag. She had a really rad car. Yeah. 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 Like, and he crashes into her. And the first thing he said to her was it was something like, you know, you need to like watch, you know, where you're going or something like that. And it was just completely like, oh, this is all your fault. Right. And that whole scene felt like improv. Yes. And she was not rolling with it. She, she could not no. yes and with him because, and he was being, and I could tell why, because she was trying, like, it was supposed to be a meet cute, but he was genuinely being a jerk. Yes. And like, every time you thought he'd stop being a jerk, he turned the jerk up. Uh, one more notch and it was very off-putting and then he does that on their first date too he which does. is the worst date ever oh such oh the worst date ever 
that scene though when they first meet here's where my thoughts on a drinking game for this movie come up which we didn't talk about before we started but so my thought for a drinking game was anytime he eats um or offers pop rocks or atomic rocks yes or he uh someone like chews or offers gum Yes. Because that happens quite a bit. It does happen a lot. He does have like a never ending packet of Pop Rocks that he goes to the well like nine times. And I've never had a Pop Rocks packet last more than three dips. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. That was weird. Yeah. Um, What was your thought on my drinking game game was every time Ted apologizes just for being Ted. Because he apologizes to his detective friend like five times (laughs) and to his girlfriend like six times. And sometimes it's immediately after. And I think it's literally the actor apologizing for taking the scene off the rails. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. I want that. That's the official drinking game. If you guys are watching this, then that's it. Every time Ted apologizes for being Ted. It's amazing. It happens all the way through the movie. (laughs) Um, so they have their, you know, their first meet and, you know, <laughs> like said, ugly. they're ugh, so bad. He's trying to be cute with it. There's a lot of very like hard cuts. So it, it goes to his PI office or, you know, wherever he lives. Um, and he's playing chess with his detective friend. Right. And did you catch that the detective friend, he made like four moves or yes. tried out for, did you catch that all four of those moves were completely illegal and not possible? Oh, I don't know chess well enough to pick oh, up he, on that. He was just randomly moving pieces on the board. Nice. That's it. That actor had no clue how to play chess. Oh, <laughs> I got distracted fantastic. by the 70s synth music that was going on when that scene opened. Yes. Cause I was like, yeah, that scene was when I first started to be like, this is almost Tommy Wiseau like and how like just off-putting and weird it is. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. So they're playing chess that he's talking about the case. Ted is still saying, no, I'm not getting involved. And mm-hmm. then, um, the woman protagonist, her name's Jennifer. She oh, yeah. shows up to get her money for the damage that he did to her car. Yeah. And, he uh, she says i need twelve hundred dollars and he gives her a cat an envelope of two thousand dollars cash right which felt really like condescending like oh it was awful i mean just like just give her the money that she asked for like i mean it just felt like he was buying her in a way well because then he immediately asked her on a date right which she said no to yes adamantly Mm -hmm. uh and politely and then uh, he, of course, stalks her. And because it's a movie made in the 80s by a man, that works. Yes, of course. Yeah. The... <laughs> she spins completely on a dime and starts laughing at everything he says instead of looking at him like, you're an asshole. Ugh. And I can pinpoint the time, the moment in the movie where she stops being a believable character who would hate this guy to being like weirdly like his life partner. And it's during their first date. So they have this awful first date that for whatever reason, oh no, she comes over to pick him up. And he's like shaving himself or something. Yeah. And he comes out in just the dumbest, lamest, yeah. not going on a date outfit, which yeah. is rude. Yeah. And she takes one look at him and is like, oh, well, that seafood restaurant I found ain't going to work with that outfit. Why right. don't we just eat at my house? And I'm like, okay, we're already off to a bad mm-hmm. start. <laughs> we go to the house. He's sitting there. Uh, she serves him food. He eats it. He asks essentially if she just learned how to cook. <laughs> <laughs> And she somehow takes that in stride. Yeah. Um, and then he's like, no, it's, it was good. It was really good. And then uh, she, so they sit there awkwardly. Yeah. And then she picks up his plate 
and her plate and carries them to the kitchen kind of looking at him like are you gonna help me clear the table yeah and he just sits there all confident and she says boy i'm feeling every bit the woman right now and he says good and then for whatever reason it instead of evolving into a complete like get the fuck out of my house in my life she starts laughing at all of his jokes and becomes his girlfriend that insult was like it, it's Stockholm syndrome to her yeah. or something. She and, didn't even like that comment. Yeah. She hated it, and then she sat down and gave him way too much wine and started laughing at his jokes. Yeah, it was so weird. Yeah, and then they they they, and then they uh, fuck. Yeah, then they fuck. Yeah, it was one of those magic sex scenes that usually happens in horror movies. This is one of the reasons I was a big horror movie aficionado when I was a kid. Is because uh, you could tell palpably that these actors did not want to kiss each other. Yes. Because the kisses were very far apart. Yes. And very like, okay, we let's see how little we can touch <laughs> and still make it look like we're having sex. <laughs> and it lasts forever. That's what, yeah. where it was like, I was still like, this is almost like the room in it's, how uncomfortable it we're is. We're like 30 minutes in here and yeah. nothing has happened except Mm-mm. a murder. Um, yeah. Oh, my next note is we're 25 minutes in. Fuck, this movie is slow. <laughs> My next note was this should be called creeped to death because I feel like that's what's happening to her. <laughs> it totally is. It yeah. really is. God. There's so much creeping in this movie too. Everybody's creeping. Every The minute that somebody's alone, they start to creep. And it's so, it's so horror movie cliche. Yeah. There's nothing believable about anybody's fear. It's just like, okay, now's the part where you start acting scared. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Like in between when they first met and their date, which I don't know how time is working in this movie because yeah. movie and, <laughs> and there's another kill. It's some girl. There's this really bad edit of some girl getting dropped off at her car. And um, oh, yes. The one who's casually making jokes about maybe killing herself drunk driving. Right. Yeah, yeah. She was delightful. Yeah. She's great. And she is very unaware of her surroundings. Yes. So unaware. <laughs> Like, but not in a drunk way, just in a... I mean, the script told me to keep pumping the gas. So. <laughs> She's like, I don't know how a car works. I don't know how to get a key in the door. I don't realize that the back of my car is being lifted up while I'm in it. Yes. And like, she's so unaware. Like, And that's the first time you see the full silhouette of the monster, yeah. who's definitely inspired by a creature from the Black Lagoon with details yeah. from H.R. Geiger. Yeah. Yeah, I, the first thing I like when I when you first see the hands, I don't think you see the hand. Maybe you see the see, hands in this scene. Yeah, but I was like, oh, xenomorph, you know, and um, xenomorph hands, and then like kind of Gilman. Yeah, Gilman face for faces. sure. I I called him because he lived in the sewers. The creature from the brown lagoon. There you go. That's <laughs> <laughs> that's perfect. That's kind of what he was. <laughs> But he, this is, I didn't actually mind this scene. You know, we didn't really see the first girl get killed. Right. And this one, it had a decent scene. Like you had the condensation on the window and then sort of the blood spatter and her clawing at it on the yep. inside. But then you get Kool-Aid blood pouring out of the car. And I was like, that kind of took me out of it um, a yeah. little bit. So. It's so funny how uh, horror special effects directors, and there's a whole crop of them, people who got directed a horror movie just because they want to work on special effects. Yeah. Um, either do um 
do like costumes and makeup well, mm-hmm. or they do uh, blood and stage kills well. Yeah. There's so few people who can do both of those things or get someone to help them with the thing they're not good at. And so yeah. it's all these low budget horror movies. I'm always like, okay, well, this is a costume movie and the blood's going to suck. Yeah. You know, or this yeah. is a blood movie and, you know, the monster's going to be laughable. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, it's yeah. definitely on the monster being good side and the rest, yeah. not so much. Yeah. That was one of the few cool things about this monster, I thought, was uh, through mechanisms that don't make sense scientifically, he makes the area cold because he absorbs the heat from the surrounding. And they actually, that's one of the few things that continuously comes up through the movie and isn't just brought up and then dropped. And I I liked that. Like, you know, the monster's around because it gets really cold. Yeah. It's, that's like, I think the only thing that I noticed that they did well as far as continuity goes. Right. Well, because he thought about the monster, not the movie. But he spent months apparently designing and building this monster costume and thinking about the monster. It's very typical first time horror director. Yeah. Yeah. So... Um, yeah, I did. They did mention that in the first kill where like, um, you know, it was hard to tell time of death because it was was so so cold cold. inside the house. Um, and the next death after this one that we just talked about, no, no, that's the sewer guys. But the next, uh, girl death, Mm -hmm. she literally changes outfits because she gets cold. Yeah. Which is like, wow. And you do have to watch her change outfits in real time. Yes unlacing roller skates two of them putting on oh, the clothes roller girl yeah yeah and then putting tying on yeah. shoe. like it takes a good three minutes to yeah. watch her change clothes well she's so she's after so she's you've later. got the girl in the house the girl who gets killed in her car, car. and then the sewer guys sewer guys that that part was cool so there's two guys who are working on a sewer at night yeah one goes down into into the sewers to check a scary noise um <laughs> And he ends up getting killed. The other guy goes down to check on him and he bolted out and climbed. Oh, ladder. That was another drinking game I had. Oh yeah. Ladders. Ladders everywhere. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. So he climbs back up out of the sewer and does this amazing like somersault roll out of it Mm -hmm. and then flips back around and puts the manhole back on and survived. I loved that. He was my favorite. And I also was not lost on me that this, as an eighties horror movie, there were two black characters, neither one of them gets killed. They both make it to the end of the movie. And arguably the detective uh, is the one who actually kills the monster. I'm like, that's in its own way. Uh, pretty surprising yeah. for that time where it was traditional if you introduced either a, a blonde who got naked mm-hmm. or a black guy, they're going to be the one who goes. Right. Um, in this case, it was yeah. the opposite, which is nice. Know. I was really yeah. excited to see that at the end when, yeah, the detective shows up and he essentially, he saved the day. He does all the work. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Because so, his plan was a little bit better than Ted's let me just kind of stay out of arm's reach and see what happens plan. Yeah. it ugh. Which drags on for like 15 minutes. So, so much (laughs) god everything he does drags on but yeah sewer guy was a relief to me because that was an indication that no this isn't going to be one of those movies where there's a monster who for some reason is horny and only kills young women right that was just horror movie coincidence because they wanted to throw as many young women on screen as possible but it does kill men too which is like okay good it's not some weird creature from the black lagoon thing yes or king kong thing yes or you know yeah any of those yeah um so sewer one uh, sewer guys die and then is sewer guy the first time we see the proboscis 
come I, out the French Kiss stuff. That's the uh, Roller Girl. Or is that Roller Girl? That's Roller Girl. Okay. So the next death that we get, there's a group of like four or five teenagers in. Four. four? I, I fell in love with all four of them. Oh. I know that I, I gave them names. Oh, I gave okay. them backstories. <laughs> I was like, I love these guys. They had like Luke Skywalker. Uh, I know who the, you're talking the about. Ditzy, <laughs> the, there was the ditzy blonde, prematurely balding guy, and then our murder victim, yes. who's delightfully wearing a red tank top that says, you belong in the zoo. Yes. Oh, <laughs> that was the best part of the movie. <laughs> like, this scene, I could stay in it forever. Yeah. She's there in a parking structure, yep. roller skating, which I was like, this legitimately looks like fun. Seriously. Like, you're just... Four-wheel roller, roller skating. Yeah. Yeah. So awesome. And... She, yeah, unfortunately, belong in a zoo, uh, ends up dying. She runs into the monster after a very, very long scene of, you said... Uh, Putting on warmer clothes. Yes. Very long scene. So long. Like Well, she takes like thing. four minutes to put on warmer clothes, and then suddenly, without any indication that the monster's anywhere around, just throws her roller skates into the middle of the thing and runs away. Yeah. The characters in this movie, that's maybe another drinking game, constantly have amazing hearing. Because they hear things happening that we don't get to. Yeah. yeah. I mean, maybe it was just bad sound and, and bad there sound was editing. something yeah. there. I mean, it's also an Amazon, so there's also that. So Yeah. I th- there was a lot of cuts that felt like the, 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 the drunk girl, mm-hmm. uh, she's saying she's halfway through a line when it cuts to yeah. her. And yeah. I'm like, I-, I think there was just the editor maybe didn't go all the way with this one. Yeah. Or maybe it was the director who edited it. I didn't look at the credits. I didn't either. For that. Um, um, but it was not good. No. <laughs> the editing of this movie is probably its worst feature. Yes, very much so. Yeah. Um, so Roller Girl gets uh, cornered by Creature from the Brown Lagoon. Yes. I call him that. And <laughs> this is, yeah, this is where we see the, the tongue for yeah. the first time. It's a French kiss kind of move. It's almost like yeah. the alien, except it's just a tongue. It's very tiny. It looks like a little yeah. slug Yeah, that that's coming out of the mouth. It reminded me a little of Creeping Terror. Mm. uh like that monster yeah uh it's just not quite as well done as that one yeah um because it was more of a suit thing than like a an actual yeah animatronic but it was cool enough and then uh, they discover her uh hanging upside down yeah in a closet for nefarious feeding purposes i never figured out why he yeah uh you know like michael myers her yeah like why put her on display i was super confused about a lot of things with who ends up dead, how they end up dying, and who doesn't die. Right. And the rules, like, I don't think rules are very clearly established in this movie. No. Um, And every time they try, they get it so wrong. It's so funny. (laughs) So when she's getting attacked, his tongue's coming out. First of all, she's screaming with her mouth wide open. And I'm like, woman, please close your mouth. You can see that tongue coming at you. Were you born in a barn? Yeah. And so then they, yeah, they find her hanging upside down when they open the door but apparently she's not dead yet, oh. right? Like she's one of the that she ends up in the hospital, but in a really deep coma, and she's lost a bunch of spinal fluid. Yes, which also happens to the girlfriend to Jennifer. Yes, so it's like maybe, and I don't I don't want to do the work of the movie here, right. but maybe the monster switches from feeding to breeding. Maybe that's the mm. moment when instead of killing his victims, because we see it the end yeah. that he's got a lot of them on kind of matrix style life support as yeah. um umbilical food for pods of sequel it, yeah it didn't yeah. yeah so it didn't really explain that part of it but yeah. 
once that death scene happens, then um, detectives detectives are back on the scene, including um, Ted now. Just inclu- suddenly, Ted, with no explanation. Yeah, Ted's, Ted's in. Ted finally decided. Surprising, even the detective. Yeah, <laughs> detective is there. He's like, "Oh, Ted's here." And then Jennifer is there for some reason, who has all of a sudden become in love with him and his girlfriend. After... His live-in girlfriend slash employee, who he does not treat well as an employee either. No, <laughs> he does not. Um, but at the parking structure is where your favorite character comes back yes. into the picture because we've only been introduced to, I already forgot Brunette's name, Sherry? Sherry. Yes, Sherry it is Sherry. Right. Sherry. So we had one, or something. one scene with Sherry where she, like, it's just ironing and just listening ironing to the news. Yeah. And listening to the news and tries to make a phone call, but then doesn't say anything. And then that's the end of the scene. Yes. And then here's where she comes back. Mm-hmm. And again, doesn't do anything except to go and tell Jennifer. Jennifer, I know what's going on here. I can help. And then gives her a weird location to go to to talk to her about it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was like, you know what's happening? Why can't you have the conversation right there? And Jennifer goes up to Super Detective, her boyfriend, mm-hmm. and is like, hey, this woman seems to have inside knowledge and a clue. Uh, she wants to talk to me. I'm going to go. And instead of him saying, oh, I'll come with you. Yeah. He said, all right, see ya. Yeah. I haven't even seen the dead body yet. Like, what are you doing on this? You're the worst detective ever. <laughs> Why did they want you back? You're oh, what's that? A lead on the first clue in the case? And you're just like, yeah, girlfriend can take care of it. What was her job before this? Driving a Jag. Nobody knows. Yeah. Was she a detective too? I don't. Yeah. She went to Radcliffe. We found that out in the yeah. creepy stalking date scene. Yeah. If they remade this for now, I think she would be uh, like a YouTuber doing or Instagrammer doing makeup tutorials because her blue eyeshadow. Wow. Was very blue yeah yeah i think if they remade this now to be honest his character would be gone and she would be that character mm-hmm. it would be the detective ex she'd be the ex-detective yeah something who, yeah not ted so, yeah I we ask. didn't need ted ted <laughs> added nothing <laughs> ted to this nothing. movie no. absolutely nothing even, even if ted end. was rick springfield it wouldn't have helped this it, movie i would have liked him a smidge more but it wouldn't help you're right it yeah. wouldn't have helped the movie at all no um so jennifer gets uh, goes to some random abandoned warehouse or the science lab i guess where yeah where this thing was made but wherever she is in the science lab singenor singenor it it doesn't look like a science lab like it's not like bright white and no one's walking around in lab coats like it looks abandoned and it looks more like you know sort of warehousey well it looks a lot like the parking garage where roller girl is killed and the metal forge where the final scene takes place because it is it's the same <laughs> warehouse that they use yes. for all three of those yes so, yeah cutting on it cutting it on on the budget there yeah exactly Just a little bit yeah. um so jennifer ends up getting attacked uh and she suffers the same fate as roller girl and yes. ends up in in the hospital in a deep coma having lost a lot of spinal fluid and my like (laughs) can we get into the science a little bit here yes all right so so uh what's her name Uh, ditzy nerd sherry sherry uh reveals that this is a genetically 
created from scratch creature completely new to the world because some scientist unbeknownst to the entire scientific community has not only cracked the human genome 20 years earlier than it really happened um but has then figured out how to edit genes and has built a creature from scratch oh i have i actually i have her her whole like explanation cued because the way she explains it is fantastic okay so are you going to insert that yeah i'm gonna play well i'm gonna play that right now because i love it so much and i just and then i'll pick it apart (laughs) just like no 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 no. okay you've had enough of that stuff's gonna kill you i don't care i need a drink (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah he's an alcoholic are you mr lonergan he's the best Uh, yeah i'm lonergan you look familiar my name is Sherry Carpenter, and I would like... You were, uh... Carpenter. Carpenter. Well, yeah, well, you're going to meet I, somewhere. My car would be in my... Nothing. I didn't do anything. Oh, haven't you done enough damage already? Get out of my office. Would you just get the hell out of here? <laughs> can, we, can we pause? Can we pause? I just want to point out that Super Detective <laughs> yeah. just had the person who his girlfriend last spoke to before going into a coma walk into his office, yes. and instead of wanting to hear more, says, get the hell out of here. Like, yes. No, this is your one it's absurd. Oh my god! It is like he keeps interrupting. She's like, I'm, j- I- I- I'm trying I'm, to I'm help. I'm here to tell you the answers. <laughs> yes. Oh, he's so bad. He's so bad. Okay, sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. No. No. Totally I want to hear fine. her science. Yes. Talk. Her science. Her science talk is so great. <laughs> Look, she didn't have anything to do with it. Jennifer had a brain tumor. Ted, you got to stop doing this to yourself. <laughs> That's what I came to talk to you about. I do not think she has a brain tumor. Well, what the hell does that mean? It's the lady, the attending physician, said that she... Comatose. Due to a possible brain tumor. You see, that's how it kills. I mean, that's how it would look. That's how what kills? How what looks? Let me start from the beginning. When I got out of college, I had an opportunity to work for Dr. Amberdeen. I had majored in biology. Specifically genetics. Dr. Amberdeen was working in genetic engineering. He was at work in secret on designing a new life form. What does it have to do with Jennifer? Getting to that. Do you want to hear this or don't you? No, not really. Ted, shut up. (laughs) Well, he actually succeeded in designing a totally new life form. I mean something that has never existed before. Resilient, intelligent, and I think very deadly. He told me once that if it ever grew up, it would probably be very dangerous. Yeah, well, I take it it never grew up, huh? Well, I don't know. Dr. Amberdeen had a heart attack and died. I know he planned on killing it before it got too big, but he didn't get a chance. He was working alone when he died and the creature escaped. We all assumed that it crawled away somewhere and died. So what makes you think different now? The murders. It feeds on spinal fluid. It draws out of its victim with a needle-like tongue. Science. Yeah, okay. But... All right. So here's... here's Okay. You're, de- you're designing a creature. Let's just give him... Let's give Dr. Aberdeen the magical ability to design a creature from scratch that feeds on spinal fluid spinal fluid is blood plasma with no protein in it you could have a creature feed on blood 
Yeah. And it would be a lot more efficient, first of all, and actually have nutrition in it. But like, and it just doesn't work. Like spinal fluid is not a nutritious source of anything. Yeah. And the human, I looked it up because I was like, wait a minute, there's not like a ton of spinal, f- there's only 150 milliliters of spinal fluid rolling around in your body at any given time. Yeah. So that's like a, a couple <laughs> teaspoons. <laughs> it's a sip of spinal fluid. Yeah. And then they say that uh, the victims go into a coma because they've lost so much spinal fluid. You regenerate a half a liter of spinal fluid every day. It's just blood plasma. Like you would, you'd be out, you'd be hurt. Yeah. Because of the tongue. Yeah. Going through your neck, which by the way, go around the back. You know, it's much more accessible right, yeah. from there. Why is he going through the mouth? Yeah. You should go through the, he, you, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So like the whole thing, I was just so mad about that particular like biological, you know, just have him drink blood. It's okay. You know, you don't have to invent a new fluid It's <laughs> for him to feed on. And, and so what she didn't, yeah. And so like the blood part would, would definitely have made more sense. That's what, an, there's a lot of animals that need blood to yeah. live. You and, know? Yeah. Yeah. This movie. This movie's so dumb. <laughs> I had, I mean, that scene, I, I did not laugh when I was watching it the first time, but sitting in a room with somebody else and hearing that stuff is just embarrassing. Same. You just have to yeah. laugh. Like, this is so dumb. I, yeah, I was, yeah, I didn't laugh at all when I watched, yeah, the first time by myself, but hearing it again, I was <sighs> like, oh, shit, this is ridiculous and hilarious. Oh, the Singenor. Singenor. <laughs> Which I thought stood for like a dinosaur without gynecology. <laughs> but it turns out it means synthetic genetic organism yeah that's boring that's it's weird it is a weird thing to call something Uh, it really is yeah um i had a yeah i had a note i think we already talked about it you know it's it's either looking for food or nutrition or looking for like you know some sort of breeding some breeding sort of thing because yeah yeah, at at some at this point i was like well how is it deciding like who to comatize yeah is that a word (laughs) sure okay yeah you know what i mean who's he deciding to put in a coma comatize versus eat to death versus eat you know and so i'm wondering like i i don't i don't know and the spinal fluid thing as a mechanism to feed an embryonic pod thing that I could at least buy. I mean, it's still dumb, but it's very much so. Like, oh well, there you need to keep the thing, the person yeah. alive because there's not, you know, and then you can just munch, munch, munch on the ones you want to eat. I get, yeah. yeah. I don't know. I don't know. So now Sherry and Ted have teamed up because Jennifer. Jennifer's in a coma. Jennifer's in a coma. Ted's got to move on. Yeah. <laughs> Let's be honest. He can't wait around for that coma to end. But it, and it's like. Their relationship hasn't been that very long. And so I, I was like, I don't understand the the stakes for Ted because it's like, how long have they been together? That's not clear at all. It's also not clear if the two of them going after the synagogue and killing it, does that help Jennifer? Like, is it like a vampire thing where it's like <laughs> you kill this one and then all of a sudden everyone else is fine? I don't or if they're, or they're just trying to if they really just suddenly care about trying to stop them. I mean, she's cares from the beginning sort yeah. of, I mean, she's ironing and not caring for a while, but yeah. then, you know, I get her motivation. Sure. I get hers. I don't get Ted's at all. Well, Ted doesn't need to be there. Yeah. So he does a problem. He doesn't need to be in this movie at all. He doesn't need to be here at the end. Uh, like, it should have been, it should have been Sherry and the detective. Yes. Doing that at the end. So they're hunting around for more clues, even though they've had plenty and the the sewer guy 
miraculously escapes his fate as a feeding pod, mm-hmm. crawls out of the sewer <laughs> just long enough to, and he's covered in spider webs. Sure. Sure. Uh, yeah. Just long enough to tell them that it's living in the sewer, and they're yeah. like, oh, why didn't we think of that? Why didn't you think of that, dummies? Yes. Um, so they go down the sewer, and this is where it begins. Uh, ditzy nerds crowning moment of glory i just loved her for the rest of this movie because anytime she panics for the rest of this movie her go-to move is to try to rip fixtures off of the wall with her bare hands (laughs) he's like we gotta find something and she just immediately goes over to a sink and tries to rip it off of the wall I can't. It's too heavy. And they're trapped in a storage closet. He's like, oh no, we're trapped in a storage closet. And she immediately starts trying to pull a bookshelf. She's so sad. She's so dumb. It's so, so It's so funny. She does it over and over again. Yeah, they're, they go down in the sewer. And honestly, I don't know how the Synagore killed anything because it walks so slow. Oh yeah. Like, I, I don't think it had anything. the motivation. I think it was well fed and had plenty of breeders. Yeah. I think it was basically just like curious. Like, yeah. What are you guys doing over here? Okay. Yeah. I Maybe like guarding better. its eggs. I don't know. Because yeah. it definitely wasn't trying. Yeah. No, he was like just yeah. down for a stroll down in the sewer. I do like how the genetically modified organism, they, they were smart enough to build in bulletproof. Yes. Because he gets shot with a forty four Magnum. Yeah. No biggie. Nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Because spinal fluid yes <laughs> to cure all <laughs> just rub it on the bullet wound and you're good to go. so uh they <coughs> ted and sherry go down in the sewer then it's a very slow chase for a very long time they discover the nest of the mm-hmm. synagogue with all these people and these other like little baby synagogues that look like um what are the ro- the roaches or something like the big roaches um screeching roaches or no. yeah they're kind of like they're, they're kind of pulsating there's a little bit of alien yeah and it's it reminded me a lot of and obviously it wasn't an homage to this because it was 18 years before it it reminded me a lot of the godzilla eggs in the matthew broderick godzilla oh god yeah you know that was like yeah. the move they're trying to pull is like yeah but there's only one how's it reproducing like oh yeah. frogs and toads and it just does yeah and then then there's a bunch <laughs> of eggs and then of course they tease the sequel with the eggs so they discover that they find there's some good gore scenes in in there. Um, one guy yep. like gets kind of torn apart, af- and he shoots a few of the I guess eggs. Yeah, um, while they're down there, that was definitely the part that the director put his heart and soul into. Yeah, you could tell all the focus is there. Yeah, that in the creature suit and yeah, you're finally seeing the creature else. suit in all of its yes moderate glory. You see most yeah, you see most of it, and yeah, it's it's pretty darkly lit, but yeah, you can still see it, and yeah. it's um. It's, it's decent. The reaction I had was, oh, that's where the budget went. That's where it all went. <laughs> that's where it all went. <laughs> <laughs> and so they discover that, and they run away again, slowly being pursued, and they make it upstairs. Because that's their plan, yeah. to just be pursued. And so that the th- that's what bothers me, is like, you went down into the sewer to go down there and kill this thing, and the yeah. minute it starts slowly walking towards you, you run away. Yeah and you don't kill it like i mean i guess you like couldn't kill it with bullets so maybe you're leaving to try to figure out another solution i mean but kill it with fire I everybody get... knows that's the next move i think so. i think so yeah why did you come with a flamethrower ted <laughs> <laughs> so they get upstairs wandering around for too long again Ugh. And then they find this huge, big sort of metal stamper mm-hmm. press thing. Yep. Just think like uh, original Terminator yep. type situation. 
He puts uh, Sherry in charge of manning that. Sherry who lost her glasses and can't see. Right. She lost her glasses. She can't see the buttons. But then Mm -hmm. her voice when he's telling her to do it is so like whiny like but i can't (laughs) and it's like woman show some final girl skills here like get it together i really want to like you well and then he (laughs) explains how the machine works in enough detail that you know that the director at one point worked in a shop with this machine Mm. because that that was like the kind of weirdly specific like oh you have to put your foot on the pedal because that's a safety and if that's not engaging you have to push the buttons at the same time it's like yeah, that didn't come out of his imagination. No, yeah, yeah. that's a weird thing to have a detail in there. I, I'm with you on that. And then Ted's plan is to lure the creature into the metal press and then uh, have her, you know, do it, um, which he then goes and doesn't execute at right. all. He gets just caught yeah. by the creature. <laughs> he gets like, yeah, caught by the creature and like knocked down. Because he's something. the world's least greatest detective. He's, he's the anti-Batman. He's terrible. He's the worst. But luckily, the real detective comes in and saves the day and shoots the Cinegore. And the Cinegore lands on the metal press. Yep. And Sherry hits the button and down it goes. And Cinegore is dead. They do not show the aftermath of that. They don't. Because the director could not bring himself to destroy that suit. Oh, I'm absolutely. 100% fine with that. Yeah. But like it was... Definitely, like, you could see the cut where the stamp's coming down, and then, yeah. like, oh, whoop, cut, nothing's there. Yes, <laughs> we can't hurt the suit. Yeah, no. The I, wonder, suit. I wonder if Bill Malone still has it in his house. I don't know. I hope so. I hope so, too. He, uh, according to his Wikipedia page, is, like, the world's largest collection of Fangoria material or something. So he's, like, a he's a, he's a buff. Yeah. I'm sure he's got all of his own memorabilia. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. I have to stalk him. Yeah, he seems like a cool guy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, not cut out to be a film director. No. Based on the evidence, but, you know, solid horror yeah. dude. I like, yeah. yeah, I like his involvement with horror. Yeah. But not so much behind the camera. This was an attempt. Yeah. It, you know, I have seen so many first time special effects based attempts at horror movies that yeah. this really honestly doesn't sink below those. Yeah. It's just a standard example of that genre of yeah. not a movie maker but back then if you wanted to play with special effects you had to convince someone to let you make a movie to do it because you couldn't just make them in your they didn't haunted houses weren't what they are now which is i think where a lot of that creative energy goes yeah. now yeah um yeah yeah absolutely that makes yeah makes yeah. total sense like so many people have the opportunity to do it in different places now yep and yeah back then you got fan cons where you can like, you know, kind of cosplay up a cool like yeah. pulsating monster costume if you want to. None of that existed in the 80s. It yeah. was either you had an excuse to do it because you were making a movie or you were the weirdo with the garage <laughs> building a pulsating blood suit that you were going to shoot with a 44 Magnum yes. for nobody. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That sounds amazing. It does. <laughs> Don't blame him. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that is scared to death. Um, <laughs> scared to death. It's not. It's not good scary. title. Good title. It's great. Wrong title for this movie, but good absolutely, title. it is a great yeah. title. Yeah. It is not scary at all. Not um, even trying. And, and not, that's not how they die. No, they're not scared to death. They're blood fluid comatose to death. Yeah. Oh, Jennifer does wake up by the end. Sorry. Oh yeah, yeah she wakes sorry. up. But I thought they were gonna like cut to her being in a mental hospital because she wakes up with like severe PTSD and yeah. she's screaming for Ted. Yeah. And Ted's not there because Ted's with Ditz. Sherry. Yeah. Yeah, Ted's with Sherry now. Yeah. Sorry. 
you know? Yeah. But that's, Snooze, you lose. Yeah. I mean, that kind of answered my question about the whole, like, vampire thing. I'm like, okay, so she was in a coma and she woke up right after yeah. they killed it. So it's somehow I connected. I get. I don't know. It was the, the power of Ted's lack of love that brought her back to life. <laughs> Look, Ted, you did something. You Look, he did her a favor by running off with that <laughs> other girl. <laughs> Poor Sherry, though. <laughs> uh, Sherry, I'm not sure, deserves better. <laughs> I think they're kind of made for each other. It's, it's yeah. incompetent one and incompetent two. I'll, yeah, I'll yeah. give it that. <laughs> and he's nicer to her. He's, like, very solicitous and, like protective of her like are you scared and tries to help her he's not outright rude and condescending like he is to jennifer yeah yeah so Hmm. interesting everybody must have hated that guy maybe yeah i hated him (laughs) it appears that most people hate this movie too because on letterboxd (laughs) it has an overall rating of a 2.6 and about right only out of 10 uh this out of five oh which a little high yeah i go 1.6 myself well if you look at like the overall ratings like the or the actual reviews the highest one that i could find was a 3.5 and this guy was super generous with it right um i think it might be a costume like you know and i think that people are fans of that yeah there's something here for you he gave so he gave it more credit so um this guy farmer jim on letterbox he's the highest score that i found uh gave it a 3.5 and he said if you love gritty copper banter and witty protagonists, and of course being scared to death, man, this is not the movie for you. <laughs> <laughs> well said, Farmer Jim. Uh, he says, I was getting psyched up to give this a turd salute, but in the third act, it redeems itself with um, with a scene that kind of reminded me of the apartment basement scene of Romero's Dawn of the Dead. Yeah. Um, so I got soft on the review. The creature is pretty cool, um, but the people kind of suck. Yeah. Ted is the kind of guy you want to punch in the groin, and the dialogue induces some pretty traumatic eye rolls. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, that's spot on. Pretty spot on. Um, and then most of the reviews were a half star. So, okay. Here's, uh, there's one for Karina. To okay. Look at. <laughs> this is from Adam Loves Bad Movies. Okay. I forgot I watched this before. I thought I had, and that's when I realized I'd watched the sequel. Okay, sorry. Yeah. I forgot I watched this before and accidentally watched it again, and god damn it, it's just as boring as the first hour in the first hour as last time. It picks up once the mutant sucker thing appears, only to drop the ball. Lots of potential wasted here. I agree with that as yeah. well. It seems to be the overall sentiment of most of the reviews yeah. for people on here. Yeah. So what were your thoughts on it? Like, would you love it, leave it, remake it? Or I don't think you want to kill it with fire. It doesn't sound like you do. No, here's what I, I would suggest an alternate fate. I will break the the cycle. Mm-hmm. If I have to, if I have to pick one of those three, if this is a fucking no, no, kill no. situation, I'd kill it with fire because that's what we should, they should have done with the monster. Yeah. Um, but I think, and I don't say this lightly. Okay. Mm. I'm not one of those people who wanders in, sees one bad movie and and thinks oh my god it's the worst movie of all time yeah i used to go to festivals for bad movies i've seen hundreds and hundreds of bad movies i hope i've proven to you my credentials that when i say this i'm being 100 <laughs> percent sincere and accurate yeah this needs to show up in a future season of mystery science theater the mm. long pauses the bad editing the redeeming qualities the unintentional hilarity it's perfect 
for that show to mock. Um, it is that kind of bad movie that it is seriously lovable if you are in a group with a lot of people who like to talk through movies and mock it. I yeah. think it's just one of those magically good bad movies. Um, but it's definitely a bad movie. It is not something I would ever recommend anybody watching all by themselves yeah. unless their brain is tuned into that frequency where they will just laugh at it the whole time. Right. Yeah. And I think like, and I think that's kind of the thing is like the way that I've been doing this is like, you know, when I have guests on, I'm like, yep. Hey, we're watching this movie. Just, you know, watch it ahead of time. Yep. And I'm watching most of these by myself every now and then I'll convince my husband to watch one with sure. me, but he's not doing so willingly most of the time. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, this is one of those where it, it's kind of like, it's kind of all over the place for it's, me. It's like as far mess. as recommendations, yeah. like I'm like, I love, so many parts of this as a bad movie, like mm -hmm. talking more so after talking about it with you mm -hmm. than I did after my just initial watch by myself. Oh, I came in the door. The first thing I said when I came in the door is I'm so excited to talk about it. I yeah. loved this movie yeah. on this level where it's like, this is a talk aboutable bad movie. Yeah. It, it's got just enough redeeming qualities to be hilarious. Yes. Yeah. I think... Like I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't like, you know, leave it alone. I think I would like, so the leave it rating is like, it's fine. It's whatever. I yep. wouldn't recommend it. I wouldn't watch it again. I would totally watch this again in the circumstances that you're describing yes. with a group of friends being mocked, like on, you know, MST3K, something, something like, like that. that. The rights can be had for a song, guys. Yeah. Uh, if I if I ever get to cross paths, and I'm sure everybody recommends to them which movies they should. Sure. But this one, to me, honestly, yeah. as a student of the art form, is, it fits the bill. Yeah. I have a lot of friends who get together, and I'll, I'm going to promote this podcast to them so I know they're listening. Yeah. Like Freaks, Tim, Somp Tokyo, you guys, when you're doing your little mini marathons of bad movies and trying to inflict pain on your friends queue up scared to death <laughs> it's not the most painful movie you can pull out it's only an hour and a half long but yeah. man is this a fun one for that kind of a party yeah yeah this is a good one for yeah i, I don't i do not recommend watching synagor okay or sin sinjin r or whatever you pronounce it yeah i don't know either good to know because i was actually thinking about seeing it and now i'm not so I'm... <laughs> i mean I, I haven't seen it in like 15 years but yeah yeah no worries <clears throat> so yeah i think i think official recommendation is See it with a group of friends. Yeah. With that. Good so. party movie. Yeah. Okay. I think that brings me to it's time to pick a movie. Wee. For next time. So. Are you just like stuck in 80s horror hell until you find something on the list that'll propel you out of it? Yes. Oh boy. Which, you know, it's fine. Yeah, I would live there too. <laughs> I've been okay with it so far. <laughs> okay. Customers also watch list for Scared to Death. We've got Demon Wind, Seen It, Blood Rage, Seen It. Yeah. Mad Men, uh, Don't Go in the House, Blood Theater. Blood Theater has shown up on every single list. Yeah. And honestly, to me, I'm like, this movie needs to play hard to get. It's like, you yeah. know, it's just trying too hard. So at this point, I was thinking, I was like, oh, I should just do it and get rid of it. And now I'm like, no, play hard to get and maybe I'll come back to you. Right. Uh, Redeemer, Son of Satan, that's come up a few times. Blood Beat. Have you seen Blood Beat? Blood Beat or Blood Beast? Blood Beat. No, I've not seen Blood oh, Beat. Oh, it's my like knowledge. 1981. Let me double check. Okay. Yeah, 1981. It takes place in rural Wisconsin. Oh. This dude brings his girlfriend home for um, the holidays, uh -huh. and his mom apparently has some weird mystical powers, and a samurai shows up <laughs> in like 
towards the middle of the movie and starts killing people. And every time the samurai kills someone, the girlfriend has an orgasm. Yeah, I want to see that. And it's super bloody and weird. And like towards the end, there's all this like green and red and blue, like flashing lighting and sparks coming out of finger. It's fantastic. Sounds like Bill and Ted's excellent horror movie. It's fun. <laughs> um, what else? The Power. I haven't seen this one before. Show up. The Power. 1984, Professor Wilson warns his students of an idol in existence that still believed to have true power, an ancient Aztec doll that controls the dark side of the human soul. Oh, okay. So like Tales of Terror. Yeah. Is that uh, American? Looks like it. Okay. Um, who directed this? Jeffrey Obro and Stephen Carpenter. I don't know who those people are. Uh, it doesn't say like country on these descriptions so not yeah right now that's a contender because that's a brand new one that showed up and i haven't seen before uh nightmare seen it frightmare seen it blood salvage trick or treats the dark twice dead already done mausoleum i just bought from vinegar syndrome you're welcome vinegar syndrome <laughs> um curtains funland oh, fuck you funland Oh, Ugh, no. God, that was the episode I did with Cass and Alan yeah. and at least they got something out of it because I hated that movie I was <laughs> mad at it but I also thought it was a horror movie and it turned out to be just a really bad taste comedy it's just a yeah dumb movie yeah um you know what uh the power looks interesting I'm gonna go with that yeah that sounds like that might time. launch you into a new direction of like cannibal holocaust style exploitation movies yeah I think yeah. like the little bit more mystical part of it yeah. I'm trying to get into like Get into like all that foreign other, stuff. Yeah, yeah, some other weird foreign yeah. something. And uh, yeah, so, all right. So the power 1984 for the next episode. That sounds um, awesome. I'm excited. All right. Uh, if you want to stay up to date with the latest episodes, you can follow this podcast on Twitter at CAW Podcast, uh, Facebook or Instagram under Customers Also Watched, uh, or even Letterboxd under the username Also Watched um you can find karina's podcast i know i follow it on facebook mm -hmm. and um i follow you on twitter yep and you're karina the m-a-g-y-a-r -A -A yep and actually honestly else? if you want to get into anything i'm doing just go to karina magyar c-a-r-i-n-a-m-a-g-y-a-r.com my podcasts are there. My stand-up comedy events are there. My books are there. Everything is there. So, uh, yeah, definitely. Please subscribe to Thanks Academy, though. That that podcast should have so much love because <laughs> it's such a arduous task I have. <laughs> Not even halfway through. Oh. <laughs> uh, well, awesome. Well, thank you again yeah. so much for joining me. This was super fun. Thank I'm you. Glad you had super to talk fun. about this. Oh, I never get to geek out about horror movies oh. anymore. Nobody lets me let this freak flag fly. So. Well, I will be sure to hit you up again for another episode because this rabbit hole does not end. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so thanks everyone for listening and I'll see you next episode for The Power. Bye. Hi, I'm Brendan. And I'm Jason. 
And we host a podcast called Full Screen and Country. And what do we do on this podcast, Jason? We talk about the best British films of all time as voted by British people in the British year of 1999. The BFI Top 100, to be exact. 100 movies. So with each episode, we talk about a movie on the list, historical significance, if it holds up, etc., etc., etc. You can find us on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and all that good stuff. Wherever podcasts are sold, sold, sold.